0: This is KMTT and this is Ezra Bek the weekly share on Perush Sharaman to Torah This week is Pashat Cha'esah The end of the purchase of Marat Machpelah by Abraham Avinu there is a Pasuk M'sakem The last Pasuk summarizes Abraham Avinu bought it the Ramban, to that Pasuk, Perek Chav Pasuk Yitet, wants to know why the Pasuk tells us that Marat Setei Machpela is chevron Ba'eretz Kena'an. The whole Pasha, we know everything is in Eretz Kena'an since the beginning of Lecha, We had no doubts that Abba had somehow left Eretz Israel. This is in Hebron, We know where Hebron is found. And yet this Pesach summarizes by saying that she was buried in the cave of the stem which is in Hebron, which is in Eretz So the Ramban begins by, as very often as a very typical construction of the Ramban. First it gives a, a simple pshat. Meaning uh, to get you off his back. In other words, uh, something which will make sense in the pasuk without looking for deeper meaning. Ki shavdu va'er, hasadev Makov, Va'aretz. Pasuk summarizes the that it's in a field and it's in chavon, the place v'aretz in the country. B'avuk hiskira Since the entire pasha, the local inhabitants are constantly referred to as Benechet. And including Ephron, the seller, is called Ephron HaChiti, the Hittite. You might not know that the Chiti live in Eretz Canaan, because Canaan is one of the tribes, HaCanaani, one of the inhabitants of the land which is called Eretz Canaan. And the Chiti are different tribes. We know that the Kanaanim live in Eretz Canaan. But perhaps there are people who don't Remember, we well, aren't aware the fact that the Chiti live in Eretz Canaan. So therefore, the Rabban says that's why it emphasizes that this is in Eretz Canaan. Beginning of the Pash also says the God of Chavon, we've met Hebron before, it's in Eretz Canaan. In order to uh, make the contrast, make it clear that the Chiti live in Eretz Canaan. But then the Rabban begins to explain, but what's the point? It's coming to emphasize that she wasn't merely buried. Sarai Menu died and Avram had a burial. And he buried her in the place that she died. She died in Hebron. So he buried her in Hebron. There really aren't any alternatives. And the negotiations are in order to find a place to bury her. But the Pasuk wishes to remind us or to emphasize that she was buried in Eretz Canaan which the Ramban immediately translates into Eretz Yisrael. In other words, Ramban is saying that the Pasuk, it's obviously true, but the Pasuk is making a point that Sarah Imenu and after and Yitzhak and Yaakov are buried in Eretz Yisrael, which here is called Eretz Canaan, since the term Eretz Yisrael cannot be used. It's never used in in Sefer uh, Bereishit before the name Israel even even exists. But the point is that she was buried in. Why is the woman right, Eretz Yisrael? In, in Eretz Hamuftachat, in Eretz Hakodesh, Eretz Israel. mi Mishpachot Canaan. In fact, the of course, themselves actually Canaanites. The So that's the Raman's first P'Shah. That, I think, is a simple P'Shah. The Sukh wished to emphasize that the Avot HaKtoshim, the Mahot HaKtoshot, are buried in Eretz Yisrael. I think meaning not merely, I think, geography, but that there is, the doesn't even explain, there is a, a, a certain facet of Eretz Yisrael, which makes it a desirable place to be buried. He was buried in Eretz Is It's an atonement for the sins. It's as though he was buried beneath the altar, which itself, I imagine, requires some sort of explanation. Why well, one would want to be buried beneath the altar? But it's obviously a, a praise. The man doesn't even quote the makavot because he's not really interested in expounding too much on this theme. This is the simple Pshat. So the Pasuk says Abraham buys a kever, he buries it there, and it's in Eretz Kinaan. It's in Eretz Kanaan. Two, next point in the Ramban. In other words, Ramban said, This is the Pshat, but Rufidati. No, this is the. Wasn't me, it is the Pshat, and then feedati this is my opinion. So whose opinion was the first one? Okay, this is the common opinion. It's, it's correct, it's not incorrect, he's not arguing with it. This is the. Everybody thinks. Okay, now my own contribution. The purpose of these uh, psukim It's not for the reason which I just hinted at. That it has to do with the holiness and sanctity of Eretz Yisrael as opposed to land outside of Eretz Yisrael, which is not holy. In other words, it's like looking into the future because the time of Amavina there isn't that great a difference but it's what we call the one and, and, and sacred land the chosen land the Eretz HaMuftachet Eretz no, no, no it's for different reasons altogether. in fact it's not as opposed to Chutz meaning it's not as opposed to America but it's specifically Eretz Kenan and not Eretz Pilishtim now Eretz Pilishtim is today in what we call Eretz Israel not just politically it's in the Gvulot HaAretz a Echini as well as Ramban will immediately explain, or explains a little bit later on, uh, it's, it's, it's the area of Be'er Sheva. But in the times of Bereshit, the people who live there are not called Kina'anim, but they're called Pelishtim, and Pelishtim are not one of the seven peoples of Eretz Kenan. I'm not going to even mention, or I'm going to mention, because it's coming up, I'm not going to expound... Uh, the well-known question as to whether or not the plishtim of Abraham are connected to the plishtim of Sefer Shmuel and David HaMelech, who are plishtim who come from Kaftor, they come from the Greek islands. They're from the Minoan civilization, not Kalanim at all. But according to the historians, those people could not have been in Eretz Yisrael, time of Interesting question, irrelevant. The Ramban is, it's clear to the Ramban that Eretz Plishtim, Avi Melech, Melech, Gerar, the man whom Abraham had dealt with in the previous Pasha, whose peoples had stuffed up his wells and he had signed a, a covenant, a Brit with, is not Plishtim. And therefore the land is not, Eretz, is not I'm sorry, is not Knaanim. And therefore the land is not Eretz Knaan, but Eretz Prishtim. In last week's parasha, after Avraham signed the treaty with Abimelech, it says that he lived there for many days, meaning many years. He lived there extensively, and all his dwellings were somewhere in Eretz Gerar, either Gerar or Nachal Gerar, or Be'esheva, which Ramban assumes is flush in that territory. And we know that Avam Avinu lived for many years in Be'esheva, as it says when he came back from the Akedah, that he went to live in Bevah. Um, even when he went to Hebron, but he then came back to Beeshevan. Hebron was like a secondary base, but his real base was in Eretz Plishtim. Therefore, Akay is kirki Hebron Hi Berat Sakanioshe Bahar. That's why the Pasuk emphasizes that Sarah Imenu was buried in Eretz Canaan, which is in fact the locality of Hebron, but it emphasizes Hebron is in Eretz Kenan, not in the land, the state, the mini-state, where the previous places of amavino had been concentrated. Now, the Ramban doesn't explain the significance of this. He's explaining the Pshat. The Pesuk says Eretz Kenan because there's a live alternative. You might have imagined that she is buried in Eretz Ptishtim, where in fact she had lived, if she lived without Amavino uh, the Ramban in a different place at the very beginning of this week's Pasha, it says that after Sarah died and Avraham came. came where did he come from she says there's a long Ramban there uh, discussing why that would be true if she died in Hebron what was he doing in Be'er Shevah? it's clear to the Ramban that they're living together there's no reason to imagine living apart and he discusses the length of different possibilities. Was he just visiting Besheva? Was she just visiting Havron? Uh, but in fact, Avraham had been living in Sheva. and according to Raman, Salah was living in Sheva as well, since it's clear to him that they were living they were living together as a married couple. Uh, and therefore you might imagine that she'd be buried in Sheva for sorts of reasons, maybe because it's her hometown. So the Pasuk emphasizes that she's built, she's buried in Hebron and emphasizes that Hebron isn't merely not Be'er Sheva, it's in a different country, in different, uh, I guess we call it a province today, in a different province. It's Eretz Canaan, and not Eretz Plishtim. What is the significance of that? I think that, I think the Ramban is saying that even though in the boundaries, the Rachic boundaries of Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Plishtim is in Eretz Israel, but somehow... The Ramban thinks it's secondary. It's not the land called Eretz Kenan, which is the the heartland of the promise to Avraham. God had promised Eretz HaKna'ani to Avraham. And it turns out that that includes surrounding areas. But Sarah was buried in Eretz HaKna'ani HaYoshev Bahar HaHu. It's very strange expression. ha'hu. Why is he mentioned the mountain? There is no mountain mentioned in this in this pasuk or in this entire pasha. I suspect obviously the pshat is ha'chevron. <laughs> chevron is also a mountain but there's no common phrase referring to chevron as being a mountain. I suspect what Ramban means by har ha'hu Maybe only as a, as a reference, as a hint. Is he's trying to draw us towards Yerushalayim? In other words, it's an Eretz Yehuda. Chavon is like the southernmost area of which Yerushalayim is the is the heart. And therefore, the land. He's not saying she was than Yerushalayim. She wasn't than Yerushalayim. Okay, that's why he doesn't mention it even explicitly. But the point is that the the hill. The hills, the hilly country, is the heart of Eretz Israel, and therefore that's what that's what it means. Eretz Kenan, the Kenanim hayoshvim bahar, Kenanim live in the mountain areas of Eretz Israel, the lowlands of Eretz Israel. Even later periods, where did the, those Plishtim of David's time? Where did they live? They lived in the in the lowlands, Ashkelon, Gat, Aza, Addan, what we call today. Beit Shemesh, they lived underneath the hills of Yuda, and Sava was buried in Eretz HaKodesh in a, in a deeper and higher sense. And therefore, it says Eretz Kena'an as opposed to other areas of Eretz Israel which aren't really Eretz Israel, or not 100% Eretz Israel. All this is very vague in the Raman, but I think that's what he means. The Raman then uh, continues, I'm skipping one or two lines. Why was this entire Pasha written? Let's look we finished the first part of our Ramban as to why it says Kenan. Why such a detailed description of the purchase of Marat This It's a very legitimate question about the Pasha. Nobody else is buried with such detail in the entire Tanakh. Why do we need to know? how Avraham got the deed to the land. If the Pesach had said, atzara, b'chavon, We know all we need to know. Not only do we know that Avraham had to buy the land, but we have the entire uh, negotiations. So it's quite a detailed Pasha. Nekteva zot says the man, chastei Hashem im Avraham his first answer. There will be a number of answers now. is very well common in the Ramban. The Ramban is never hooked on giving only one answer. As the Ramban explains in the Introduction to the Torah, the Torah itself has multiple layers of understanding. Sometimes the Ramban distinguishes Pshat, simple Pshat, deeper Kabbalistic Pshat. But even when they're not Clearly delineated, delineated as to what level interpretation, but multiple interpretations of the Torah for the Ramban is is an article of faith. It's it's it, 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 it's it's what it's more common than not. It's the way the Torah is supposed to be written, because the Torah is a very very deep, very very profound, divinely profound document, and it reflects the multiplicity of the way God appears to us. So, as a matter of course, the Ramban throws out one shot, another shot, third shot. So here's the first shot. It comes to tell us God's kindness, graciousness with Avraham. The Pasha, the beginning of the Pasha, tells us that Avraham Avinu had an enormously respected position among the people of Canaan. As he's called when they answer him, they say, Nesi Elohim Atabek Beinu Adoni. They call him our master, Nasi. You are a leader, you are a prince of God in our midst. And so the Pasuk wants us to know that. And that's the way to tell us of Avinu's position by describing and giving us a glimpse into his relationship. How he is legally a, 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 helpless stranger. He has no rights of possession. He doesn't own land. He doesn't belong to the clans. He himself says, I am a stranger and a resident, but not a member of, of the Shevet, of the Shvatim. And, and in the ancient world, that would put him at a tremendous disadvantage. Your, your position in society had to do with the clan relationships, but nonetheless, even though that was true, but he was the Asielohim baaretz. He was a prince of God among them, and vhayachid. The man says he was unique, and I'm not sure what the word means here. It's a little bit out of context. He was nasi Yachid. and the people called him Adoni. For who came? ken? Pshayasavagadol, but he didn't. And, Make demands of them. He didn't use this position as some sort of a political power base. Remember back in Lech Lecha, God had promised Amavinu that if He went to Eretz Israel, will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And we could easily have interpreted that promise of God to Amavinu as referring to. The distant future, meaning after his death. He said, I will make you a great nation as well. The first promise was, we don't expect that to take place in his lifetime. It's, it's, it's his future. So, could be that, you know, in history, you have a great name, as in fact, that Vino has a great name. Everybody heard of Ravino? So, you'll be one of the most famous people of history. God said uh, the Pasuk says, no no, in his lifetime already, Avinu was, as we would say today, he was a he was a living legend. He was Nisi Elohim Atabekavenu. He he was one of the most important, one of the most famous, perhaps the most the most distinguished person in Eretz Kanan. Nisi Elohim Atabatochainu. You are like a prince of God in our midst. Vishto Meita, So this is the chesed of God that God had brought him to the strange land and and had made sure that he he didn't suffer the sufferings of strangers in strange lands but to the exact opposite he was a prince his wife was buried in the proper manner again imagine what the alternative could have been some vagabond a stranger wandering a, a refugee has fled from one land to another and managed to survive on the edges of society he dies or his wife dies so they take a rid of the body they, they dump it in the porpoise field or some some unmarked grave it, 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 it's 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 a clear possibility took and despite making the 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 very drastic demand that he cut himself off from his father's house and his birth place to become a a, a total stranger, a, a homeless refugee. But practically speaking, God took care of him. And and he had all the rights and privileges and and even pleasures and, and and benefits had he been a honored and aristocratic member of this society, which in fact he was, even though he wasn't a member, but he had the status. Okay, so that's a and again the Mamban was referred to B'Nachalat Hashem Explaining the word Nachalat Hashem Abraham Ebsar is buried not in Eretz not in Eretz Yisrael but in Nachalat Hashem Ramban has a theory that the definition of Eretz Yisrael is Nachalat Hashem it's the private estate of God like God is emperor of the world but he's king of Eretz Yisrael you have to think a little bit futilely to quite get this the king of France is the local lord of certain lands, and he's also in charge of the other lords of other lands. There's a lot of barons and dukes and and and, uh, and earls. Each one has his own uh, achuzah, his own uh, hereditary lands. But they all have fealty to the king of France. King of France has his own land as well. Eretz Yisrael is the nachalat Hashem. The Ramban, we're not going to talk about it today. This is a the Ramban's theory throughout the Torah. He explains many things based on it. It's the private lands of God. God is the direct king of Eretz Israel. And then for the land, what's special about Eretz Israel? It's Nachalat Hashem. Sarah was buried in Nachalat Hashem. That's answer number one. Answer number two. Why this passage is important. Basuk wanted us to know Mekom Kfurat HaAvot. It wanted us to know the exact location of the patriarchal, matriarchal graves. I wish the man had explained this somewhat better because it's an interesting topic. Which I think sometimes bothers us. The man says, "Yes, in fact, it is true that the Torah tells us about the burial of Sarah and tells us where she was buried, in order that we should, in the future, we, you, and I, and the man, we should know and, and and honor the place of." The burial of the Avot. In other words, Chevron Maratha Machpelah in Hebron, is a Jewish monument. It's a place which the Jews are interested in knowing, and having, and honoring. Sometimes we have, you know, we have some inner contention, disagreement, or just wondering as to how much is Judaism interested in what is sometimes referred to in a derogatory manner, as the ceremonies of the dead, amitim, going to Kvarim. Obviously, many sectors of Judaism take it quite seriously. You know, anytime you go to a cemetery, whether it's a there's a site, people come. Other sectors of Judaism took it less seriously. To the side, I, I would mention that my Rebbe, the Rav, of who was very close to his father, Amarisha Salevetric, was his Rebbe and his father, and his his Torah was on his mouth all the time. He was truly a. a, 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 a he owed his father everything, that's what he saw it. Never visited his father's grave. Between the years that his father died, 1941 and 1966, the Rebbe did not make a habit of visiting his father's grave. Because as he often would say, uh, a cemetery is a place of tumah, not a place of kedusha. He was very critical of viewing death and dying and that kind of experience as somehow because it's mystical and unknown as being a source of of religious inspiration. Um, so Elimelech states unequivocally, he's concerning the avot, of Abraham Avinu. the Torah wants us to know where the place is so that we should in other words it wants us to put up a a monument there and I don't know maybe go there once a year or or something but there is this thing of knowing where Avoteinu Ak buried third point in the Mamban Raboteinu amru. Chazal said that this parsha about the burial of Sarah it's about it's Avraham about Avinu. Parashat Lech Lecha Parashat Ve'era tell us about the life of Avraham Avinu because we learn a lot about the life of Avraham And the overriding uh, theme which Chazal have placed on the life of Avraham Avinu the stories of his life is Esar Nisyonot Nisnazah Avraham Avinu Abraham Abinu went from Nisayon, from trial to trial. The famous trials we know, of course, is the Akedah. That's the... We thought, I thought, that was the tenth and ultimate trial. And there are others. There's no list of all ten in Chazal. You have to guess at some of them. Um, He's quoting now a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says that the burial of Sarah is one of the Nisayon. What's Nisayon here? They had to bury his wife. Everybody has to bury their wife. Despite what we said before about how wonderful it is that people give him a kebab, but in fact the opposite is true. He, he had trouble finding a place. He had to go in the end and buy one. And that's a Nisayon. That's a trial. How he stood up to it. In other words, it's almost the opposite of what we said before. He was a stranger in a strange land and everybody else has a guaranteed place. The you know the expression in, in Tanakh there's an ancestral burial grounds, but he does not have one, and he has to go out and spend money, which apparently is unusual. We all buy burial plots, but then it was not done. You didn't buy it; you you owned it. It was it was part of who you were, part of your rights as being a a a, a true native resident, and and he didn't. And that's okay. That's the third reason for this pasuk to tell us another one of the trials of Amalekino, how he stood up to it, how he did it. How he had faith and how he fulfilled it. To which the Ramban adds, Yadati Talmud Rabbi Abraham. I do not understand what the Ibn Ezra has said. Shama malat This Pasha comes to tell us why the the, the 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 virtue of Eretz Yisrael for the living and for the dead. The old Ibn Ezra now, second reason? That this parasha tells us that Avam Avinu is already getting ownership, Nachalah in Eretz Yisrael, as God had promised him, and has now begun to fulfill it, because he actually has a Nachalah of a burial place. The man says, I don't understand either of those two reasons. How does this parasha tell us that it's a wonderful thing to bear in Eretz Yisrael, the Rav Avinu had no choice. You see, didn't Ramban say that in the beginning? Isn't that what the person had caught up in Ramban? No. Ramban said in the beginning that the Pasha in one word, tells you it's in Eretz Yisrael to inform you that she was buried in Eretz Yisrael. You know already that it's good to bury buried in Eretz Yisrael. And the Masha tells you that Sarah was Zolcha, she merited to be buried in the place that you know is holy. The Bible says the opposite. This Pasha teaches us how wonderful it is to bury her in Eretz Yisrael because Abraham chose to bury Sarah there. says, Abraham what do you mean chose? Where else was he going to bury her? He was living there. What was the alternative? Then maybe he should have taken her, put her on an airplane and flown her to New York. So that makes no sense. The Pasha is not teaching you that. And two, the second idea that he mentioned that we see here that God is fulfilling the promise to grant the land of Israel to Abraham, even in his lifetime or at least in his lifetime before his wife is dead makes no sense God's promise to give Eretz Israel was for the entire land of Israel and it will be fulfilled only for his children but not for him if you recall, two weeks ago the great principle of the Ramban If you remember that principle, the actions of the fathers are a a microcosmic reference, a a, a beginning, a hint of the future. Which Quran isn't isn't just a hint, but it, it begins to create the reality of the future for the children, then the Ibn Ezra's comment is very appealing. Lamban himself said that Avraham Avinu is walking around the Eretz Israel because wherever he walks he is beginning the acquisition which his children will fulfill. So isn't it a tremendously appealing idea to say that Avraham Avinu has in fact acquired Marat Mahpela and that's the Siman Labanim that they will acquire and conquer the land? Why is Lamban opposed this idea? which even Ezra has for it, and Raman says it's completely wrong. So I think there are two answers. One, which I'm making up, is that Raman doesn't see the acquisition of Mangata HaMakhpeda as a siman for the Banim at all. Because the Banim are not going to buy Eretz. Uh, as he said in the previous line, that's why I think the previous line is here. Uh, he said that it was a trial of Avama that's what the Gemara and Sanhedrin said, because he had to buy the land. If you have to buy the land, that shows that you're not. It's not yours. It's not your ancestral home. We don't have to buy land in Eretz sell. It's ours by virtue of being part of people that are part of the Jewish people. If you're a stranger, then you have to buy. His descendants are not going to buy Eretz. They're going to conquer Eretz Israel because it's theirs. It's their nachalah from God, and now they will. Um, the, the conquering is simply taking what is yours. It's, it's developing the potential into actuality. Since it's yours and you're not there, so you come and you get it. You take it. But if you have to come buy it, it means that it wasn't yours. So therefore I think, this is my own suggestion, God doesn't view this as big. It's not like that for me walking around Eretz Israel. Well. When he walked, every place he put his foot down, he made it easier for his children to put their feet down. He walked on it as a as a Balabite. And they also walk and conquer as by the But if they have to go to them and beg, please, sell me, and pay 400 pieces of silver, that's not at all a harbinger of the Kibosh Haaretz. And let me just add one thing, very often, uh, people do view the fact that Avam bought marat ha so that shows that at least in Hebron, also in Shechem, where Yaakov bought a field, so there we have a better, it's a a higher level claim of the Jews to Eretz Yisrael. What I'm suggesting now, based on the Ramban's opposition to the Ibn Ezra's point, is that that's not true. It's a lower level. Because all you've done is bought it. And the same way you buy a piece of land in Hebron, you can buy... A, a a summer home in the Caribbean. Two, that's more explicit in Ramban. Udvah Hashem li Abraham al kol Eretz Yisrael, Yitkeim Rak God promised Avraham the entire Eretz Israel. So if he walked up and down Eretz Israel, that's siman la'avot. But if he fully acquires one small piece of Eretz Israel, that's not siman la'banim. Because the A part is not a part of the whole. To have a nachalah is to have all of Eretz The fact that he has one place in which between you and me, he doesn't actually, I mean he owns it, but he owns it for burial. It sounds almost, it's almost cynical. God promised on I will give you this land, and he gave it to him as a cemetery. He promised him a house, and he gives him a mausoleum. It's it's not quite the same thing. The point is that it's not Eretz Yisrael, even though it's in Eretz Yisrael. This will be a national home. Avraham Avinu is not an individual, and we are other individuals who come from him. Means that Avraham Avinu is a microcosm of the Jewish nationality, not of the first Jew, and his children will and will, will will follow in his footsteps. His children, the people of Israel. Following his footsteps. So, owning a private piece of land, a small piece, what's appropriate for one individual to own in the south of Israel, has nothing to do with owning all of Eretz Israel, it's not just more, but owning it on a national level for national people. Okay, so this is a short reminder we read today. I think this reminder is full of, uh, is full of ideas. Um, Some of which I hope I made explicit, and the rest I will leave to you to figure out on your own. But we've run out of time, and that's it for today. This has been Ezra Bek. And And Shabu we will be back next week for Parshat, eh, uh, Parshat Toledot. The Ramban on the Kol Koltuf.